Welcome to the EntreEd Talk podcast. We are your hosts, Toy Hirschman and Laura McCall. Join us as we dive into incredible stories from inspiring entrepreneurs around the world. Whether you are an educator looking for ideas to engage students, a new learner, or someone who wants to be inspired, our guests' journeys and their ideas will give you resources to create value and take your own leap into entrepreneurship. We are so looking forward to sharing our message with you. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the EntreEd Talk podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the EntreEd Talk podcast. I am so excited today to have Furia Labs with me. I have David Ewing, who is the president, and Rhoda Dion, who is their ed tech evangelist. This is going to be so much fun. So David thrives at the intersection of software, hardware, and education, an electrical engineer by schooling from Auburn, and a lifelong student of computer science. He's held chief software architect positions at Nokia and Adtran and helped start an internet of things company, Synapse Wireless, where he was the CTO and inventor of the Snap Mesh Network platform. From circuit design to embedded coding on tiny microcontrollers to cloud computing to the latest front-end web application software, David's breadth of practical experience yields unique insights and innovative approaches to product development. As the president of EdTech startup Furia Labs, sorry, David and his team make tools and curriculum that demystify how technology works so that people can be creators and not just consumers. I'm so excited to hear more about this. And we also have with us Rhoda. Rhoda Dion is the EdTech evangelist for Furia Labs, which I mentioned earlier. As the EdTech evangelist, that's such a cool title, <laughs> Rhoda is on a mission to close the digital divide by ensuring that every child <clears throat> has an opportunity to create physical computing experiences by learning how to code. Prior to joining Furia Labs, Rhoda served diverse global learners in K-12, post-secondary, corporate, and non-traditional settings. She taught mathematics and computer programming, conducted research in STEM education, and developed culturally responsive curriculums for learners of all ages. She holds a BS and MS in mathematics and a PhD in educational mathematics. And also she is an Ice House certified entrepreneurial mindset facilitator. Those are some of our friends as well, who is also trained in visual and performing arts. Her community activities support rural entrepreneurship. We love that. Foster conscious leadership and build brave spaces that help people have courageous conversations. That is so much, and I'm a little bit intimidated right now, guys, but thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Toby. We, uh, we're sorry our bios are so long. I think we need to work on abbreviated ones, maybe. <laughs> oh, they're they're fantastic, and, and I just, I'm just very honored that you're here. So again, thank you both for joining me today. And before we dive in, I wanted to give you guys each a chance to share a little more about your backgrounds and how kind of you got to where you are today, if you don't mind. And I don't care who starts. Oh, ladies first. <laughs> Crap, I'm too slow. <laughs> so for me, I, I started out as a math major and it was this challenging thing because I would always ask my mom, what can I do with a math degree? And she was like, baby, anything you want. And I was like, that doesn't help me plan my future. So life has turned out to be more of a series of suggestions in terms of how I got to this place. And it's like, well, you should try this. You should try that. And I'm like, okay. And in trying all of those things, I tried teaching. And what I found when I was teaching was that I love doing curriculum development. 
and not so much being in the front of the room telling people what to do, especially when they weren't interested that much in the math itself. So I switched over into instructional design because I thought it was a great thing. And having a background as a musician, I also realized that I, I really enjoy engaging with people and doing sales and partnership. And from there, I thought, ooh, at Tech Evangelist, this marries a lot of the different things that I have in my background. And so I transferred over to Furia. Nice. And we're glad she did. <laughs> so, okay. I guess that means I have to go next, right? So um, I did not start out as a math major. I started as a young child, um, <laughs> but a child who really was fascinated by electronics and, and computers and things like that stuff that is kind of magical, you know, uh, that most of us uh, really don't, don't know how this stuff really works. Right. And so uh, I grew up in a, in a rural area and uh, there, they're really, it was tough to find information or people who could really explain to me how some of this, these things worked. So I think from that childhood, I wound up majoring in electrical engineering. Once I found out oh, that's what, you know, that's what you have to learn in school <laughs> to, uh, to learn how these electronic things work. And then, did, you know, got into a lot of software and um, came up through, I guess, the, um, the, the, the dot-com days and, and all, the, uh, all, all the wonderful technology that comes with that. Um, that then you heard some of in my bio, you know, being at different companies and things like that. So I think through that journey, and then also along the way, being a parent, um, and I'll say in my childhood, I was a child of educators. So my parents um, were teachers. So I, I knew something of education, but I kind of didn't go that route. You know, I was more the industry person. Um, but um, I've always had a love for teaching as well. And uh, I did have that, you know, that sort of hearkening back to my childhood. I thought, you know, I, back then, I, I I wanted to one day maybe write a book or something that would um, help kids who didn't have access to someone who actually knew about computer programming and all that stuff, you know, help them along. You know, of course, the internet came about and it's like, hey, that problem solved. There's tons of great information out there in the internet. So I think that's where the story of being a parent and all this comes through. I, I saw my kids and actually myself and my wife, Jerry, who, um, who started the company with me, um, we were uh, coaching a, a, a a team of sixth graders and they wanted to do some something that required some coding and some technology and these were it was a group it happened to be all girls and uh, I was really excited I thought they're gonna love this stuff you know and I kind of pointed to them at the internet and all this great maker stuff that was out there and then realized pretty quickly it's not really geared towards them they weren't inherently interested in this stuff and they weren't they didn't have that built-in I guess tenacity that you know, your typical kind of hobbyist adult maker would have where you're willing to struggle for a long time. And then observing, you know, what was going on in the schools and how we still, you know, as a technologist from industry, we were being asked all the time, you know, how to get more girls interested in coding, how to get, you know, more people that we can actually have a bigger hiring pool because there's a huge demand, especially for software folks, right? And so, uh, so this sort of confluence of things, you know, led to there's this big problem out there in the world um, where, the, even though the internet has all this great information and some not so great information, but it's out there, it's still, um, you know, you don't have a lot of students being empowered and, and being um, kind of triggered into uh, the kind of passion for technology that, that I have and, and that our team here has. So that's kind of what, what drove me towards this area. That's awesome. I like how and in your bio, you talk about demystifying that because it really is. And I know with my own children that they're not when well I told them that I might get a python box and I you know they were like what snake cool <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like no not that kind of python um but but they 
they don't what what they are given in school for coding is not it's it's not interesting I'll be perfectly yeah. honest it's not and it's not engaging even though both of my children are very well versed with a lot of you know they can use they can be the consumer but they don't know how it works and they're not going to I hope they're happy with me when I make them start learning but <laughs> I'm going yeah, to try and that's what you know that's what I saw too you know right it's they they're not um it wasn't getting kids excited about it and and they're I guess these digital natives right um they they're not um maybe it's maybe the magic or the mystique is sort of normal to them uh, more more than it was when I was growing up, and so, you know, there there we need different approaches to get them to kind of look under the hood and go, oh, I could actually make something like that, you know, or, or you know, another thing I ran into with one of our children is you know, he's a musician, you know, he's like I'm not a STEM kid, I'm like what what's that a STEM kid, and because like I was into music and stuff growing up, I was not a math kid, I was I was a I was not a STEM kid either, you know, but luckily for me they didn't have STEM back then, so I didn't know any better. Um, you know, <laughs> well, the A in the well, they batted the A to STEM. Right. right. We actually have a project that's E. It's esteem or esteem because it's entrepreneurship and the the art. So yeah, it's in there so now. all that STEM's gone. It's steam. Yeah, <laughs> and, and all of that's really awesome, and I think it, it does help us adults, right, to to kind of remind us that you know it it all comes together. But I don't know that it really helps the students. Like they still, it's still the sorting hat. Right. You know, in school, like, well, they said, if you're good in math, like the sorting hat told me in fourth grade that basically I'm not going to do any of that stuff, you know? Um, so. it's, well, it's interesting because it's, it's the, it's parallel to what I saw as a, a young child where people would say, oh, you're, well, you're just not a very good artist. And so I feel like in our age range, we yeah. have a lot of folks who are like, oh, I'm not an art person. And and that was the thing that was taken out of their future possible selves. And and now we see that happening. Yeah. So we want to yeah. change some of that, right? Yes, we, that's what we want to do. That's our mission. And I'm Whatever. very happy about that because it's downright criminal that, to lump kids in like that. Because I, at 40, I'm, I'm, I'm old, at 40, <laughs> <laughs> at 40 something, um, I, uh, you know, I'm now just finding my footing with art, like, and it's different art than drawing something on a paper, which is what I was terrible at. But I, I'm learning that I actually can be creative too, in that realm. And I think that that's really, I think we're just not doing enough of that at the early at the early levels. I have my son, my one son just he won't do anything creative, because he's like, you know, I can't draw. So I'm, I'm out. So, right. Not not good. But I, I'm so, gonna brag on on Feria for a minute because one of one of the reasons why I love this company and why I chose to work here is because coding is treated as an artistic medium. Love it. And and I think oftentimes to your point, we we think drawing, painting, watercolor, or ceramics, even maybe metalsmithing if we branch out, but in general, we have very narrow definitions of what it means to be a creative and what tools an artist actually uses. And our products are, are designed to have kids have an experience where they get to be an artist and a creator, but rather than using paintbrushes and pencils and colors, they're using Python instead. Yeah. And one of the things when we first started this, you know, we, we came up with that, like a company vision, sort of that longstanding vision, you know, that you're supposed to have that lasts a hundred years. So it can't say anything about something very specific about today's technology or something. And ours was to instill in students a passion for creating. And so, and that's creating, you know, that, that doesn't limit us to coding, uh, you know, or to technology even particularly, but today where we are in the world, you know, we're, we're in the midst of this technology 
ongoing technology revolution, right? It's been going on for a while. And no matter what you're interested in, this is one of the awesome things about the way we're doing, I guess, our products and the way we're teaching is um, no matter what you're interested in, technology is going to impact it in some way. And it already is happening. So if you're a musician, there's already tons of electronics. You're using software, whether you know it or not, you know, in a lot of your like digital audio workstations or, you know, or if you're using, you know, effects pedals for your guitar, whatever it is, there's, you know, and our young people, and they're, they're all about that, even if they're not, they don't consider themselves the STEM people or, or the, you know, the technology people. But if you want to be part of that craft and really help, I guess, drive that revolution or, or, or um, influence it in a way that matters to you, then you're going to need to know about technology. You're going to need, need to be not just a consumer of technology. Otherwise, someone else is making those decisions for you. And someone else is kind of steering your craft over and in, into an area and they don't know anything about it. They're not passionate about the way you are. So, you know, and this is true across like smart agriculture. If you're into agriculture, you're into plants, you're into, you know, all that stuff. Like you can do, there's a lot of things that are being done now to advance, you know, our understanding and how we interact with the world in a lot of different areas. Um, and, uh, you know, sports, it's just like the cool part about it is right now, because that's going on, we can touch, we can reach out to students and, and say, what are you interested in? Oh, well, let me tell you how you can connect that with this really cool, you know, technology and you can be, you can help level up, you know, how that's being done out there. So that's, that's kind of what makes us uh, excited. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, so to that, tell us a little bit more about uh, about Furia Labs and the kinds of things that some of the things that you that you have available to educators to help them. Right. So we, you know, I'll start, I guess, and Rhoda, you can jump in there. Um, we, we are really focused on um, getting the students hands on stuff. So it's physical computing, which means they're, they're not just on their screens, you know, typing in some code or dragging around, you know, blocks or things like that. They're actually um, programming devices, whether it's robots, which we have a one called the CodeBot that's made for you know running Python code on, or um, or other circuit boards that, that we connect to a, to their computer, and they program that, and now they can go and use it for some project. Um, so we are all about you know getting their hands on it. We're we're um, I think our kind of one of our themes is authenticity in what we do. Um, we want to use real world um, examples, real world um, technology. So like, instead of, uh, th there's a lot of stuff that we saw out there and we were really trying to crack the code on, on why are some kids or a lot of kids not getting really jazzed about this. And we thought, you know, one of the things we saw was, especially around middle school, if it looks like a toy, a lot of the kids are like, nah, I'm an adult. I'm in, I'm in seventh grade, man. You know, and that's more so even true of the girls, right? Girls, they, they grow up fast, you know, and they're, by the time they're in middle school, they're like, yeah, I'm not playing with toys anymore, you know, and they may not say it outright, but when you show them something that's like a shiny plastic thing, um, that's a, um, a, ro a toy robot looking thing or something, they're like, yeah, no, that's not me. And so we try to make it real. You know, we try to relate it back to stuff that is in their life. Like, you know, they're using cell phones all the time. This is what's inside your cell phone. Here, touch one of these microchips. That's actually what's driving that, you know. So we're, again, it's that theme of demystifying, but also connecting to things that they interact with every day already. So it makes it relevant to them. So that, you know, also the language, you know, by using Python, that's a professional, super popular programming language out in the world. And you can get a job. We love to tell our, even our middle schoolers, you know, you can get a job writing that code you just wrote you can get paid a lot of money for writing that stuff if you get good at it, you know, and, and uh, that is meaningful to them because it's, um, it's authentic. It's real. It's not, yeah, this is uh, I know these look like, you know, drag and drop puzzle pieces, but 
but it's similar to software. I mean, kids kids don't appreciate that as much. And I'm I'm sorry, I'm bashing on block coding a little bit. It's there's this, so there's this thing if you're familiar with it, and it's it's awesome for introducing the concepts of computer science. But at some point, we we see a lot of students are wanting to move up either either they want to move up to something a little more real world or or they decide they're just not going to get that you know and and it's too hard i think one of the things that's really nice so as a middle school teacher when i taught middle school and frankly any math class i've ever taught at some point someone either addresses me by name or they say miss <laughs> when am i ever going to use this oh yep what oh, what math. does this even mean and why should i care and one of the things that is unique about the curriculum that Feria Labs offers is your students will never ask you that question because at the beginning of the, the modules are project-based. And so at the beginning, they're going to talk to you or we're going to talk to you about, this is a billboard. You see it at a sporting event, the ticker tape that runs by all of those things. There's, there's, there's technology that makes that happen. And that little piece, that little device you have in your hand, it's something this small that makes that happen. And as, as David loves to say, there's no magic going on with that. And then from there, they get into the lesson, they learn the Python. And then at the end of the lesson, there's a wrap up about, here's some other ways this exact same technology, the code that you just learned how to write, this is how it shows up in the real world. And even in the teaching of how to program, there is a focus on what it looks like to write good code at an industry standard. So what I didn't say in my bio is that I used to be a software developer during the dot-com boom. So when I went through the curriculum myself, I was like, oh my God, someone read Steve McConnell's Code Complete because this is what I was beat down with <laughs> when I when I was I was went through the boot camp to become a developer. They were like, you know, use good variable names, no magic numbers, use constants. All of these things about how to create a work product that that seamlessly works with a team so that other people can use what you have. Students are learning that even at the middle school level. Yeah, one of the things that, and as you say that, I think we, we give them a, a, a real world experience. And that's part of that. You keep using the word authenticity, but the students, they don't know what it looks like to be a programmer, you know, day to day, like writing it for an application. But that, but the way, um, the sort of the voice of our curriculum. And we have a very guided kind of online step-by-step. -step. Here's a, here's a challenge for you, you know, one challenge at a time, one, one project at a time uh, sort of sequence, but um, they, they, we're, we're giving them um, the kind of the, the tasks to go do that are meaningful. We don't give them, we give them barely enough information to get the project done, you know? So it's, it's um, and not a lot of front loading of information. So you're, uh, we like to say we are creating a thirst for knowledge first, you know, and then we give them the information about here's that we teach them just enough Python code to solve that problem. And uh, anyway, hopefully, um, I think we've, we've seen a lot of students and it's a lot of fun for them. And that's our hope is that they enjoy the journey. But we also want them to struggle a bit, you know, and we, uh, you know, coding is, um, and really engineering in general, it's like, in some ways, you're hitting one brick wall after the other, you know, so you have to kind of be um, resilient to, um, you, you know, it's going to go great for a little bit and then smack, it doesn't work, you know, and, and, uh, and it's frustrating, but we want to give them just enough of that frustration to work their way through the problems and then give them the tools to actually solve those problems. And that's one of the things that back to my story about teaching the sixth graders that I saw from the tools that they were using, um, which are pretty much what's commonly used out there, um, in, in education these days, they didn't have, um, tools, right, that, to, to help them debug their code. 
So normally when we, we went out and talked to a lot of teachers and interviewed a lot of different schools and normally they weren't using um, what we in professional land call a debugger, you know, a, so where you could stop and step through your code and really see what was going on. So those sorts of professional level tools were not even available for teachers to use. And when you're, especially when you look at like in most teachers that are being asked to teach or told to teach computer science, don't have a background in it. They don't have any you know, real way to, to, to help explain this to the students, they're figuring it out themselves as well. So we saw a, a really great need for better tools. And so that's what we, we actually um, got an NSF grant, an SBIR grant to develop a, um, a debugger in Python that would run on these little um, microcontrollers. So we, you know, that, that we're using for physical computing. So it's one of the kind of from a technical perspective, that's one of the really cool things about Fury Labs products is we allow the students to, um, to debug their code. So we give them the kind of the, um, the autonomy to be able to do that. We empower them to do that themselves. It, it's very much a day in the life, day in the life of a software developer. Like each lesson has that. And the other thing that's nice is there's a toolbox. So as you learn something that goes into a place where you can go back and reference it and look at those things. And even the knowledge itself, it's just enough knowledge. If you need more, you have to actually scroll down a little more. So when you're early in your journey, you can just read the top and as you move along. You can scroll I love, down. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying. And I, you know, I would be, I would not have a podcast called Entre Ed Talk if I didn't talk about entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, Jean. That's shout out. Um, <laughs> but, but it's um, it, everything you're saying is so closely in line with what we try to bring to teachers in, in the entrepreneurship space. And I know students coming out with this, this coding knowledge are prime to do whatever they want to be and you know when when we talk about entrepreneurship we kind of stay away from the strict business ed curriculum it's more of the mindset piece right and all of the things that you're saying I'm like I'm getting chills like authenticity having relevant relevant projects that actually kids can understand why they need to do this I was middle school math too Holla. Um, <laughs> and you do, you get that question all the time. Um, but it's just amazing how uh, just th that's exactly what they need. They need that, that thirst first, as you said, I love that. I think I'm gonna get a bumper sticker. And, <laughs> then, and then you give them the appropriate level of challenge, but then that kind of that scaffold too, to help them progress to higher levels of challenge. It's, it's, it's really, really great. Here at EntreEd, we are continually searching for new ways to support you and your entrepreneurial programming, initiatives, and innovations by offering a rich array of professional development options, resources, events, and networking opportunities. EntreEd is excited to now offer all of those fundamentals in one place, introducing our new membership portal to help launch your career. There are both individual and school memberships available. Your students will thank you. Join the community today at entreed.org membership. So I want to ask um, how, what do you, what do you find is the, the, the biggest barrier for a teacher to teach computer science? And you mentioned that most of teachers don't have a background. And, but then also to that, what is, you know, how are you solving that with, with the way that you, I know you do teacher training and I want to talk about that too, because it's something that our teachers would be really interested to, to learn about. I think the first barrier that, that I think is, is there beyond just sheer knowledge of the discipline is, is the emotional piece of it. There's a lot of affect 
that mm-hmm. comes around STEM. Um, pick 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 any letter of the STEM, <laughs> and 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 people can be really intimidated by what it means to start and and feeling confident. Um, I think teachers teachers always want to do right by their students, and the notion that that a teacher isn't prepared enough to give their kids everything that they need, it can be just enough to to put them in a place of non-action. And so being able to get past that fear. That is I an think. awesome answer. You're, I think you're absolutely right. I, mean, we, I, I don't think I would have known the answer to that question. Um, and we're still figuring it out, you know, and it, it varies across different, you know, different people. But, um, but as we've interacted with a lot of teachers, I think a lot of them, again, you know, they, they, they don't have a background in this. So they're, um, they, they want to do right by their students, like Rhoda said, and they're just, um, they don't think they're ready, you know, and, and, um, especially when we show them like our stuff is, it's like, it's like the math of the computer. <laughs> we don't focus. We're not actually not, we're not math heavy. We're, we're, we, we actually try to keep the math out of it as much as we can and, and just show them like have them do really cool projects that, you know, do stuff, you know, make music or light up lights or things like that, you know, but um, so we're not teaching coding through math. But when I say it's like math, it's like it, since it's text-based code, it looks like a foreign language. Um, and so, you know, when I, we walk around at ed tech shows now and I look at sort of competing ways of doing things, a lot of them are kind of sugarcoating it and making it where it, it looks, they're, they're, they're trying to set the teacher's minds at ease that, yeah, I think this thing will just work, you know, and then they look at us and we're showing them something that looks like a foreign language and they're like, ah, Gads, what are you doing? And we have to settle them down and say, hey, you know, your students are really, really going to appreciate this. You know, they won't want those toys that the other guys are trying to get you to put them. I know that seems simple and you don't feel like you're ready for this yet, but you are. And so once we get them past that initial reluctance to actually sit down and try it, we really have built all the scaffolding and and, and all the the tools to really help them along. And and, uh, we don't expect the teacher to know already how to how to program. Um, so, you know, not to mention the students. So I'm going to jump in. So the curriculum itself is delivered through the web. And one of the things about how the curriculum is packaged, there are checkpoints inside the curriculum itself. So if a student is trying to do something without having followed all of the instructions, it's going to come back and say, hey, you're trying to move forward and you didn't run the last set of code that you wrote. Don't you want to run it? and make sure it works before you go on to the next lesson. So there's there's a lot of scaffolding for the student and the teacher inside the curriculum itself to make sure that that students are are actually attending to the task that they've been asked to do. So it it alleviates the teacher of of that particular burden. And so for those for people who go through uh, jumpstart python is is the curriculum it's that gentle journey into Python. Most of the time, the feedback we get is, well, I just really have to ask my students to read the instructions. Did you, did you read the instructions? And, and that's like the, the extent of troubleshooting <laughs> with the curriculum. It's, it's not, oh my God, I don't know how to explain this because the explanations are there. And it's, uh, David doesn't know this, but um, my dissertation research, the topic, was I looked at what do teachers do? What do K-8 teachers do when they're at the edge of their own mathematical understanding? And how do they assess student work when when they don't really know the concept that they're assessing? 
that well. <laughs> wow. That's really relevant. Wow. It's good you to know that. Fine. I want to know what you found out because that has that is applicable across so many areas, especially in STEM, STEAM. Yes. So, so, <laughs> so what I found because in in my in the in the participants that I had in the study that I I had the the good fortune to interview, I had someone who was she had just graduated with her bachelor's degree and was teaching her first year. I had someone who was right at the fifth year, and then a teacher that was teaching eighth grade. And the person who had just gotten out of school, she would look at the work and think, "I wish I knew why." this student made this choice. I don't understand what's happening with the work that I'm looking at. And, and there wasn't even an awareness to say, maybe I should ask the student. Whereas the person who is right at that fifth year, which is where we consider a teacher to become a veteran teacher, she had a whole full scale attack plan. Like, you know, I don't know what this kid is doing, but I know I don't know what I'm doing either. So I'm just going to have a conversation with the student. And so there was an awareness to know to ask the question. And then the person who had been teaching for a long time, they were like, oh yeah, it's this, it's this, it's that. And, and there was there was no, in, in mathematics, I call that um, compressed knowledge where you have so many things that are, are just second nature to you. You don't even need to say those things, but you're like, oh, well, first we did, you know, two X equals six. And then we said X equals three. And for someone who knows math, they're like, oh yeah, you divided. But for someone who's new, all the things that happened in between are a mystery. And so what I found was that a person who had more experience knew to ask questions and had an awareness of how to go about finding out how to engage with their students. And the person who was a veteran didn't really talk about it anymore. And that novice really needed someone to ask the questions for them. And I, I got excited when I went through the curriculum because I was like, oh, it's, you're asking, this is great for a novice teacher. Like all the things that they need to be asking, the curriculum asks it for them. And, and so they just need to be a guide on the side and, and not a sage on the stage. It sounds like you were debugging a code in math and in your dissertation, <laughs> figuring the, the veteran teachers knew how to debug it and they needed to give that to the novice teachers. That's amazing. That's yeah. so cool. Cause that's assessment, it, it, entrepreneurship is, kind of the same way that assessment piece is scary because you you're up against we we talk to teachers like that too that are it's a different kind of a different field but you're up against your own level of understanding teachers generally are not coders teachers generally are not entrepreneurs because that's not why they're there especially when you're looking at you know middle school elementary you know they are specialized in a content area that got them that job and they're amazing in it but to then say okay well I think your students need to learn to code it's it's scary I'm, I'm gonna be mm -hmm. honest like when I thought about Python I, I did something in basic back when I was I don't know very very young and it took me hours and hours and hours and it made this tiny little man dance <laughs> and it was so anticlimactic because I, I did work so hard on this thing. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. That this little <laughs> is dancing on the screen. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, did you have a TI 499A? I did. Because that sounds like something I did. <laughs> that's exactly what I had. And I, I was so determined to make this little, this, this thing. It was a dancing man. I thought this amazing giant, yeah. I, this thing is going to happen. And I got it. And I finally got the code right. And I pushed the button. I'm like, 
come on. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote that program. And my parents had actually invested in the tape recorder, but I could never figure out how to make the tape recorder record my code so I could see it later. You guys talking about the the bad old days of technology. Once it was gone, it was gone. And you had to just start over if you messed it up. Just know that the equivalent of the dancing man is still out there today. (laughs) And that's what we're trying to, we're trying to kill the dancing man. And Give students something that they'll, once they get it working, they'll go, wow, and it will just ignite their imaginations. And let me kind of go into the entrepreneurial side of things. You know, that's, it is one thing that we want to empower our students to get in that mindset of, well, first of all, you know, that failure is okay. You know, in our projects, we actually deliberately lead them into some failure situations and then help them show how they can troubleshoot their way out of it. So we're teaching troubleshooting and, and, you know, productive struggle. I think that's a big part of entrepreneurship as well. You're going to, you have to have the courage to go out there and fail a few times. And, um, and, you know, also just the whole thing about being a creator, you know, a wielder of technology for your own uses uh, and not just at the whims of it, I think is a big thing. So giving, you know, one of our, and we have a a very entrepreneurial company, our engineering staff has all been through, you know, startup companies and things like that. And one of our engineers asked early on, what, what is our objective? Are we trying to turn all these kids into like, what level of Python programmer experts or, you know, medium level? I'm like, you know, that's really not it at all. Um, We, we want them to be unafraid um, when, you know, if, if down the road, some, something comes up there, whether they're in a job and they have to, you know, they need to automate something or, or whatever that I want them just to think, yeah, you know, that's just a little bit of code. You know, I, I did that. I did that in school. I, you know, it's not, I'm not afraid of it. Um, and, and so again, that's, I guess that goes back to the de- demystifying too, but, um, but it's more about, you know, having that confidence. So if they come through our stuff and whether they really remember a lot of Python or whether there's maybe a different language they're going to use in the future or some other completely, you know, orthogonal concept, um, that's okay. They will have um, conquered this and they'll have confidence from it. David's going to make me cry over here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reason for that is, is it so consonant to my personal teaching philosophy? And when I did teach mathematics, I would tell my students, my goal for you in this class is, well, my first goal is that you change your major because. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, were you talking to the math majors? <laughs> no, these are like people in college algebra. They're like, really lady, change my major. But I always got one every semester. They either change to a major or a minor. But I, I would tell them, I was like, my first goal is selfishly to get you to change your major. But beyond that, like my true goal is that math will never be a deciding factor in your future and what you choose. And if you decide I wanna be an engineer and they say, well, you need this many math classes, you'll be like, I can do that, I'll figure it out. And and so David is pretty much giving the same speech that I give my students when I have them around math. That I don't ever want that to be the reason that you decided not to do something. STEM should never be the reason. And, and, And it's this beautiful space where you can get good at failing and nothing happens like in a math class or when you're coding and the code breaks, nobody dies. Like, yeah. There's, there's no, there's another good really. connection. There, there's like coding. Most people, not to get everybody, but most people don't just do it because the same with math in the real world, right? You don't just like, oh, I think I'm gonna do some math problems. Yeah. You know, you're always doing it for some other reason, right? It's like to solve a problem, a real problem in the world. I want to build something, you know, I'm trying to build, I don't know, a fence around my yard and I need to know like how many boards do I need to go buy? 
<laughs> well, I might have to do a little math to figure that out. You know, it's relatively simple math, but there's, as the problems get harder, then maybe the math gets a little bit harder. Um, sort of the same with coding. You're always trying to build something like I want to make, you know, a video game or I want to make, um, you know, I, I want to do an art installation so that when anybody walks through this corridor, um, the lights kind of like start washing over them and some soft music plays in that area. And then I want this thing to move over when they go into this area. And so that's going to generate the whole experience and the emotion that I'm looking for in this art exhibition. Right. Well, those are problems. Those are not like I think I want to write some code. Like nobody cares. Nobody wants to write code. I don't, you know, I, I don't really No, I just want the thing to move and I want the lights to shine and I want the, you know, the music to play. Right. And so that's what we do when we do set these projects. We're like, we're going to make this project. It's going to be really cool. And they're like, yeah, to do that, you're going to have to write some code. It's all right. It's all right. You can do it. That's awesome. That's so, so true. We want that. I think the whole the whole education system to move in that direction where things make sense. Why am I doing this? Because I want to get from point A to point B. And in order to do that, I've got to, there's something, something's got to happen here, right? Yeah. Coding math. I mean, it's, it's, it's that mindset that's, I think we're just having a really hard time shifting that in traditional education when, you know, we think, I mean, it's funny you said that because the other day I was doing a math, uh, business math, um, I was writing a business math curriculum and I came across several example problems and stuff. And I literally sat down, I was like doing problems and getting really excited about just doing these random math. (laughs) 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 But you know, that's, that's me, but it was fun. Um, And there is that, you know, there's, there's the puzzle (laughs) aspect of it. And and that's true. So if you're really, if you get into it, once you kind of get into it, then you might enjoy it for its own sake. But I I don't think we can count on that with a lot of our students. Yeah. (laughs) Most, and I wouldn't have done that normally if I wasn't prompted because I was writing a curriculum, but this yeah. is really great. I'm just so excited that I've had the opportunity to speak with you both today. Um, so we we try to keep this at a bite-sized chunk of chunk of time, but I wanted to make sure you had some more time to share with how, um, what advice might you give to an educator who's going, you know, I see the value of code, but I have no idea what to do next. So obviously the first advice is go to furialabs.com and we'll help you out and, and email Rhoda, you know, but aside from that, and in general, you know, um, I think first of all, you can do it, you know, have confidence that you can do it. Um, I would say embrace, um, you know, that you're going to be learning, you know, and that you can, um, learn this stuff. I, I think that's a big, a big thing. Um, you know, what do you think, Roberta? The, the, the willingness to learn. Yeah. Willingness <laughs> to learn, definitely. Totally, yes. Yes, and I would encourage a teacher to invite their students into the journey with them. Oftentimes, um, as, as teachers, I'll get in this space of, I've got to know everything first before I go in and work with with my students on this particular aspect. But in my experience, I've found that if I tell my students, you know what, I don't really know what I'm doing with this, but I want us to do it together. Are you willing to learn it with me? My students are always gracious, more gracious than I would ever expect them to be. And and we learn together. And then it creates this, this space that's really valuable because the teacher and the textbook stop being the authority. And students then begin to take ownership of their own knowledge, which is so important 
anyway. Like we want, we need critical, fearless thinkers to solve the problems that we have going on in the world today. And that comes by being an, taking an active role in your learning process and not waiting for someone to spoon feed you knowledge. So just saying, we're going to learn together and, and then do that. You can also remind the students and teachers that this is how it happens in the, the real world out in industry too. Like oftentimes in my career, I'm just learning this stuff. You know, it's, it's all new. You know, even if you've been doing it for 20 years, all of a sudden a new language comes out or a new framework or, or something. So there's always, you're always in this position of being a learner and, and feeling like you have no idea what's going on. So get used to that feeling. It's an okay feeling to have. And, and you can, so you're, you're not, you know, don't feel like you're that far behind. You're not alone. You're just on the journey with everyone else. And, and if you're an entrepreneurship teacher listening to this, like that's the same fear you have as an entrepreneur. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to file for a, for a business license, what are, but we figure it out because being an entrepreneur is important enough to us that we take on those next steps. And I'm so glad to hear about eSteam because I just, I believe that entrepreneurship and STEM need to come together and have to come together if we're really gonna try to tackle CS for good, computer science for good in a non-trivial way. Like we're not gonna really get at solving society's problems without the heart for entrepreneurship merging with STEM or STEAM. Love that you said that. <laughs> it's so it's so true that just that piece of not being afraid to to say to your students. I, I did that too when I started teaching. I thought I had that traditional mindset. I thought, oh, I I can't mess up. And the first day, I literally and it was the dumbest math. I just totally got it wrong. It was it was the easiest thing. Like probably it was like two plus four, and I just thought whatever. But it was just getting over that fear of oh wait I was wrong and the kids laughed and we had a nice conversation about what I did and I'm not teaching this other way ever again <laughs> <laughs> stay up all night and make sure I have every answer to everything figured out and that's when my teaching shifted and we started doing these experiential things in the math classroom and it freaked everybody out because it was like you know at first they're scared they're like well, we're not used to this but it's, it's the way it needs to be. And they do, they need to have that ownership and they need to see the value in what they're doing or they're not going to want to do it. I mean, it's pretty simple. I, I you know, I, I learn what I need to learn. Like I learned how to make movies when this pandemic hits right. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know anything about it before. So it's, 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 it's so true. So, well, thank you both for, for joining me this morning. And I'm just so excited that you've Can we get in one quick announcement? Please do. I was hoping that you would. Oh, good, good, good. Because we we were just awarded a grant from Infosys Foundation USA for a project called R-Cubed. It's the Rural Robotics Revolution. And it is designed to bring our product and a, a curriculum to 100 rural teachers across the United States. So how might a rural teacher find out more about that, that they could be part of it? And what does it look like to be part of that? So what it's going to look, I'll start with what it looks like to be part of it. So what it looks like to be part of it, we're hoping to find teachers that are already connected or embedded into communities or organizations that are supporting STEM and supporting rural communities, like Entre <laughs> <laughs> Um, Because one of our goals is that once 
teachers go through this project, they they go into a community. Now, if they don't come in with a community, we will help them form that community of support so that they can continue to move forward in their professional development around computer science. In doing that, they will receive the Jumpstart Python kit or the Jumpstart Solo kit and a curriculum license and two days, two full days of professional development that will happen in January. So it's about 12 hours of continuing education around programming and it's the gentle journey into Python. So everything you need to know to be able to code in Python as well as conversations about what does it look like to do lesson planning, formative and summative assessment. Like we really do sit and, and take you through kind of a pre-service teacher experience mm -hmm. over the two days. Um, let me see, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Am I forgetting something? I think you said it. I think, I think the, the goal is for those teachers to come out yes. of there ready to bring it back to their students and ready to offer, you know, um, confidently offer Python yes. to their students. So. Yes, that is correct. And so with, with the contribution from Infosys Foundation USA, we are able to give teachers one product and one license. So if a teacher wants to bring that to her class or his class, their class, um, they will have to we have jumpstart python kits which have sets of 10 and you the licensing is unique in that any student can use it so if you had 30 kids and that was your largest class during the day then you would need 30 30 devices or three jumpstart kits and from there you could reuse those licenses so the licenses are are permanent you can use them year after year. This is not a subscription. So it's thing. super sustainable. Yeah, it's it's sustainable. Yeah, so yeah. there will still be an additional cost after participating in the grant. We want to be upfront about that because the grant only covers getting people trained up, but we're hoping to find partners to help teachers find the funding that they need so that this can go forward into their classes. Mm -hmm. and, and it's, I mean, it's, I think it is addressing kind of that main problem that we saw really that you mentioned earlier, which was just the teachers having that, you know, that getting past that first step, you know, having the yeah, confidence the they confidence. can do this. Yes. So, um, and they'll learn a little Python along the way too. Yes. And so they can come <laughs> to furialabs.com. That's one way to, to find us. You can reach out to me directly. I'm Rhoda at furialabs.com, R-H-O-D-A at F-I-R-I-A-L-A-B-S dot C-O-M. Nice. <laughs> well, I I um I know some teachers already, and um we will definitely share this out with all of our our rural audience, and um I hope that you get to I hope you get more than one hundred more than what you need, so that yes, because uh, I just think it's really it's such a cool such a cool program and such a great opportunity for them. So thank you both so much for joining thank me. You. Yeah, and thank you. I, I, I have so many more things I want to talk about, but we are just going to have to do a second podcast. That's Sounds good. Anytime. Have to happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Now that we're friends, you're never going to get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you again. And I really do appreciate you. And I'm so grateful for your time this morning. Thank you, Toy. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Toy.